Hello and welcome to part four of our interview with Jay Gonanen of Wrenchway. In this episode, we're going to talk a lot more about education and its impact on the future of the automotive industry. How do we get the right people in the in the industry doing the, the tech work that we need to have done? Uh, Jay and I and Rich dig in a little bit further to that. So take a listen. You guys are really hitting exactly what's been going through my mind, especially with my son. You know, the ROI on the whole thing and where are you going to head? Because... You know, I want him to have a clear understanding of what it is, too, because he's going to be the one who winds up straddled with the debt. So, <laughs> so um, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think what you've done is, is fabulous, though. What you're putting together is, is really smart for all the things that I'm seeing is all the problems out there. I mean, it's only going to continue. So having that platform available seems like it's a uh, it's a home run to me. There's days where I think that, and then there's other days that I think, like, what, what in the hell were we thinking? No. <laughs> I think we all have those situations. <laughs> Why am I doing this again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was supposed yeah. to be pre-med. <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know, I, I think, and I'm curious to get the two of your perspectives on our industry. I always like to hear from people that aren't in the industry you know, are, are, am I off of ba off base thinking about that? Like I see every day how professional these technicians are and how professional a lot of these shops are, but I'm always curious to understand like, what's the outside perception? What is it that, uh, that people that aren't in this industry every day see? Go ahead, Rich. Well, I did a, I did a fair amount of work in logistics, but mostly from the warehousing side. Um, from the trucking side, I have done some, uh, especially with uh, specialty chemical transfer, special, specialty chemical uh, shipping. Um, and that although it was a while ago, I can see that there is a constant you know, need for that. Unless you can tell me that there's going to suddenly be the ability for airline travel with big tankers on it that can get that cost down below ground travel, you know, ground travel is here to stay, you know, it's going to be here for a long time. So the concern becomes what we saw in the last few months when there were hiccups in the, you know, logistics portion, especially in trucking, you know, and then add on top of it, logistics issues and shipping. I mean, this industry is, is huge and so vital that, you know, I, I hate hearing that there's people shortages because I can just kind of predict, you know, my, my job, you know, even though I've been doing accounting for years and I've gotten involved in that, my job as sort of a CFO is look more forward and, and there's some panic setting in across multiple industries. And one for me was, you know, shipping and trucking and, and looking at it and saying, you know, if we don't have drivers and if we don't have mechanics and we don't have the ability to service the vehicles, we go through, what we went through during the pandemic that we're not able to get toilet paper or whatever it becomes, right? So the products can't get across country. So for me, you know, that's another reason why I keep looking at what you said you're, you're doing with the platform. And I'm, I'm really interested in it because I can see that that's going to feed efficiency into the, into whatever fragile market of people there already are. You're going to, you're going to give that solid pipeline where there probably is all this fracture that's going to go on in the near future if nobody does that kind of thing. So 
and and like you said, hiring a bunch of people just because we're just going to hire you because you can breathe, you know, that gets nobody anywhere. So, you know, that's where I'm talking about the efficiency. So for me, it's you know, my takeaway right here is this is this is, you know, this is the non-government sector coming up with solutions for the problem that's really evident right in front of everybody's face. So, you know, kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah, I think to add to it, um, as you pointed out, the automotive industry has changed significantly over the past several decades. I mean, I, I think back to the first car I ever purchased and, and the technology that was in that, that was still far away ahead of the cars that I drew, drove growing up in high school. Um, and now what you're driving, you're, you're basically on a rolling computer. And oh, it is you, very you drive expensive. that C8. That, that's a spaceship. I do. That is a spaceship. <laughs> and that is a costly spaceship, by the way. Yeah. I miss the days of $20 oil changes because now we're talking about four-figure oil change and routine maintenance. But uh, I mean, that's just that's just to a point. And I, I look at the other cars that we have that aren't as sporty or as, you know, techie as that is, you know, there's still a lot of tech in there. Uh, you pointed out the adaptive cruise control systems and all your your cameras and sensors and everything that kind of keep you in your lane and, and keep you in the flow of traffic. Um, that's now becoming standard where even five years ago, that was a pretty expensive option to add onto your vehicle. Um, and then there's what the government requires too. So you now not only have to have a kid with good mechanical aptitude, they're going to have to have some some technical aptitude too. They're going to have to be able to read a computer. They're going to have to be able to understand uh, not necessarily doing code, but some level of coding that's going on to to understand what what the computer's doing versus what the engine's doing and all this other stuff. Uh, and then back to the soapbox that I constantly harp on, I think about every podcast that I do, we're always talking about the shortage of labor and that the labor problem is not going away, not in the next year, not in the next 10 years, probably not in the next 30 or 40 years. If anything, it's going to get worse. So then you've got two options. You can automate. And then the question is, how much automating can you do in this industry? I know they're trying to make self-driving vehicles, but right now I think we're a good 10 to 20 years from actually having something that is viable uh, to be put on the road. And then there's the whole dichotomy of, okay, now you have self-driving vehicles with people who are still driving their cars and that overlap. And how is that going to work together? Because that gets even more complicated. Um, but back to the shops, I mean, there's only so many bodies and every industry is going to be fighting for people. And I think it's going to get more competitive on, you know, are you going to pay to go to school? Maybe even going to college, for example, if you need that heart surgeon, is it going to be where there's going to be a hospital or something that is going to pick you up after a certain number of years, and maybe pay for your doctor's degree or your specialty degree and, and cover that so you aren't saddled with as much debt? With that, it's also probably going to come a guarantee that you're going to work for them for so many years. So that kind of helps with the longevity and turnover problems. Uh, I could see that happening in the automotive industry as well. So as you pointed out, you know, if you're paying for me to go to college, there, there might or go to the tech school, maybe there's an expectation that you're going to sign an agreement that you're going to work for us for five years. And if you leave early, then you're going to maybe owe back part of your education. So there's an incentive to keep people in the company longer than you know, just getting their degree and working for a year and then going work somewhere else to make more money. Um, there's just a lot of different things that I can see going on here that 
that our industries are going to be changing dramatically. And unfortunately, I don't see a lot of companies prepared for it. As you pointed out, the mom and pop tech shops, um, they really have to start thinking bigger and, and doing things that are going to protect them in the long term. Otherwise, they're going to get run over by companies that do get it right. And that's always the fight that I have with what I do is is you see what what companies need to do and what they should be taking advantage of. But money hides a lot of problems. If you're making money now, you're not worried about money tomorrow. And that's unfortunate. So I, I think, oh, go ahead. I, I, you hit on a lot of, a lot of great points there. And one of the things that I, I could see a world where, you know, we just talked about two year versus four year education uh, essentially. Right. And I can see a world where it flip flops, where, to be an automotive technician, you're going to need four years of education to be able to work on a car because of everything that you talked about, where it's so complex and there's so much liability behind if you screw up a repair that you have to be properly trained. And I'm on a lot of advisory committee meetings or a lot of advisory committees for schools. And there's so much pressure on them to, to fill those credits with really, really good classes. And what you're starting to see is even some that are really impactful classes or really good classes are starting to get cut because they have to prioritize the most important stuff within that two years. And so it's almost like this, this reverse shift of we're almost going to need more time to educate these people while the industry is screaming for people screaming for these schools to spit them out even faster. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, it's, I think we're in for a really, really rude awakening here over the next, you know, five to 10 years on that skill level that's going to be needed to work on these things. Uh, mm-hmm. But then also, like, you're still faced with the fact that we're already behind tens of thousands of, of, of technicians. How do you catch up when you are essentially asking them to go to school longer? It, it's it's going to be it's going to be weird. Exactly. Well, and then and on the other part of it is we need to get a public education system where they're that actually providing enough education to make these kids able to do math, read. We won't get into that. But <laughs> I mean, we have to almost go back to square one and really look at how our future is going to be as far as education, what we're going to do to make sure we have people who are productive in society. And I've got a whole, I, I got a whole bunch another of thoughts about that. It, it is. Yeah. Because I, you know, what I see in areas across the country is very different than what I see here in Wisconsin. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of things that we could learn and especially in small rural communities that would, would make it far more impactful than, than the way our current schools operate. Agreed. Agreed. So what's the future look like for Wrenchway? What's, what's the next big project you're working on there? Uh, we've got some really cool things in store. Uh, we're actually working on a part of our app where it'll make it very easy for a high school student to be able to reach out to local businesses and ask for a job shadow. So essentially they'll be able to go on and say, Hey, looking for a job shadow. It'll fire off to all the shops in our network and they can set up something there. So again, I'm very focused on trying to get more, uh, more exposure to what our industry is to those young people that are out there. So very excited about that. And then ultimately, it's just growth in general, right? Uh, we're growing a two-sided platform, uh, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, you, you need a lot of shops and you need a lot of technicians on the same platform. So it's a continued effort to to get visibility to what we're doing. I know our marketing team does a fantastic job. We have a, 
a tremendous TikTok presence now, uh, which I don't even have TikTok. So it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's it, it, we're able to get in front of a lot of people by creating content. So I think, you know, creating more content and doing podcasts and, and doing more of that type of thing is is kind of the way to get more of that visibility. So just growth in general. The challenge we all face, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It, it's, uh, you know, it is at the end of the day of an absolute roller coaster. I tell a lot of young business owners or people that want to start a business that, you know, I, I read a lot of business books prior to starting this business and they all talk about the roller coaster that is entrepreneurship, that is small business ownership. But until you're in it, you just don't know. And it is really, really hard to understand that until you do it. And the kind of the true blood, sweat, and tears type of theory, it it's true. It's hard. Yeah. Like this stuff is really, really hard. And if you don't have a good support system around you, if you don't have the right mentality going into it, and you're not truly passionate about what you're doing, I don't think you're probably going to be all that successful. And it just takes having that stuff in mind. And that's where, you know, the reading and research can help you out is to understand you do need a good support system. You you do need money, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think, uh, you know, whatever you think you're going to spend on your new business, take it times 10 <laughs> and you might be in the ballpark, yeah. right? Uh, so that's something I've had to learn the hard way and, and, uh, uh, growth, you know, that's another thing I read a lot about and how there's unhealthy growth. And I'm like, how in the world can there be unhealthy growth? You're bringing in new sales, life is good. And, and then when you experience it firsthand, you're like, ah, that's unhealthy. Growth. That, that, that's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> so Jay, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way to learn more about uh, Wrenchway? They can either go to wrenchway.com. We've got everything laid out there uh, in hopefully a clear, concise way. Uh, but they can add me on LinkedIn. I am very active on LinkedIn, on there every single day. Uh, shoot me a message. I'd be happy to talk to you about any of my experience or or um, really about anything. Dan, you know me. I, I'll, I'll talk for days. So <laughs> I, uh, it, if, you, if you reach out, I'm sure I'll talk to you about whatever it is that you want to talk to me about. Sounds good. Um, TikTok channel. Now, I don't know how many of us are. I don't have a TikTok either. But what's your TikTok channel? Since that that is the new big thing. It's a great question. I think if you just look up Wrenchway, <laughs> uh, I the only time I go on is I look at our views and see the comments and and try to get an idea of what's going on out there. But I do get why it's addictive. That's why I have it set on my browser so it goes directly to our Wrenchway page and I don't look at anything else out there. There you go. I don't even have it on any of my phone or, or iPad or anything for that very reason. No. I don't need to get sucked into something else. There's enough things that occupy my time. Uh, well, thank you again for, for participating. Rich, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, send me an email at rveltry at veltrygroup.com. All right. And you can get a hold of me at danpaulsonletsgo.com. Feel free to uh, reach out. And uh, we, we are looking for more interviews. So if you think you have a good subject to talk about, we'd love to hear about it. See if you might be a good fit. Uh, Jay, thanks again for coming along. We really appreciate your time on here. We'll have to have you back again. Uh, as you pointed out, there's a lot of other topics we can talk about. So you, you <laughs> might become a, a fairly regular guest. We can talk about uh school next time and, and the challenges we're facing there and what we need to change about that. But again, really appreciate your time. Thanks again for coming and we will see you next time around. Thanks everybody. Thank you guys. 
And that was part four of our interview with Jay Gunnan and of Wrenchway. If you know of other people that we should be interviewing, talking about different industries that might impact you, please let us know. You can reach out to me at danpaulsonletsgo.com. Uh, you can also contact Rich Veltre at Velt rich at veltegroup.com and we look forward to seeing you at our next episode be sure to sign up on booksandbiz.com that's b-o-o-k-s letter n-b-i-z.com and you can catch all past episodes current episodes and hopefully future ones so we look forward to seeing you soon thanks